0: One of the enduring issues in religious freedom and church state has to do with the conflict between the values of pro-life and the values of pro-choice as they play out with respect to what's called the women's right to choose to have an abortion. And as you know, this matter is going to the Supreme Court this year in a case out of Mississippi. But meanwhile, there's been a lot of interest in a bill passed by the state of Texas that restricts abortions after six weeks. Our guest today, Amira Al-Haddad, Director of Public Affairs and Religious Liberty for the Southern Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Amira, welcome back to Freedom's Ring.
1: It's always good to be here, Alan. Thank you.
0: You know, I think the first thing I want to do here today is talk about the shift in Protestant concepts about abortion, because I think most Americans don't understand that when Roe v. Wade was handed down, Protestants largely supported it.
1: Yeah, the Southern Baptist Convention supported it so much. I think they they released a statement of kind of applauding the decision as being the right decision.
0: And the convention passed resolutions three times in the 1970s, basically supporting, you know, a legal system for abortion.
1: Correct. It did not conflict with Protestant America's understanding of life, of um, unborn children, of women's reproductive health care. None of that was in conflict religiously with Protestant America. At that time,
0: the President of the Southern Baptist Convention at the time expressed the view that you know human life really begins at the moment of birth rather than the moment of conception, which was largely viewed as a Roman Catholic issue. so times have certainly changed. Protestants have now largely been influenced by the Roman Catholic view, and it, it seems that the law is poised. To reflect the predominantly Roman Catholic view, and I would say based on Catholic theology that the immortal soul enters the womb at the moment of conception and therefore, uh, you know, a fully human life deserving of full protection, which I would point out as a lawyer, the law has never treated the fetus for purposes of, say, inheritance. You know, if if a father dies uh, with born children and unborn uh, the unborn do not share in the inheritance, uh, you know, for purposes of manslaughter laws, et cetera. The law has never recognized the fetus as the same status as somebody who's born, but we're certainly moving in that direction. And, and our point today is not to debate the the morality or the immorality of abortion, but what the impact is of the potential change with the Texas law and then If the Supreme Court does, in fact, overturn Roe v. Wade with this Mississippi case, the Dobbs case. So, Amira, what are your thoughts on, you know, how this abortion controversy that's heating up uh, the impact will have on American life?
1: So let's go back to something that you said earlier. The Catholic um, understanding has kind of been picked up by Protestant Americans, evangelical Americans. I think we need to go a little bit further, though, because as I reflect on the overall um, activity, who is working on these bills, who's supporting these bills, what grass level or grassroots organizations, what about the people in the pews that are all taking up the issue of abortion, I have to tell you that the Catholic Church has so well-trained Protestant America on the abortion issue that they don't even have to say anything anymore. Protestants are taking and running with the entire concept of Catholics' understanding of life and, and the immortality of the soul. And Catholics don't even have to say a word. Protestant America is preaching that rhetoric for Catholics in their support of these very strict abortion laws that are coming out on the issue of, you know, when do you recognize personhood in Georgia, which is one of the states that I work in. The um, Georgia state legislature passed a bill a couple of years ago that acknowledged a parent could be liable for paying for health care bills for a fetus. Even before a child is born, the way they worded the bill was that that parent, in particular the father, um, would be responsible for that person um, or that that child, that unborn child, uh, from the moment of conception, especially if the parents were not married. So some of these are problematic. You know, it's problematic to, to say you're going to have a heartbeat bill that starts at six weeks, well, you know, quite frankly, you can be pregnant for eight weeks and not really know it. And I'm a girl, so I can say this. You can even be pregnant and have a period, (laughs) your first uh, month of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of problems with the heartbeat bills, I think, medically. And, again, medically, I'm a little uncomfortable with legislatures. Deciding medical procedures when they don't have a medical degree, uh, that's worrisome to me.
0: Well, you know, there's a lot that has been said about how these laws would be written if women were writing the laws rather than men. That's another whole subject. You know, I guess my concern, and again, I'm trying to tread lightly on the whole underlying conflict itself over, um, over abortion, because I think... The historic Protestant view is that abortion is immoral except under limited circumstances. Um, But that's not to say that Protestants were eager to have that perspective legislated. That has come with the Catholic influence. But putting aside the kind of moral concern, America's already so divided. We're already so subject to civil strife. And if Roe v. Wade is overturned, and it's free reign on the states to do whatever they want, I think we're going to see red states get redder and blue states get bluer. And to some extent, people may start uh, relocating and aligning themselves based on, you know, the color of the state, so to speak. Yeah. You know, we're going to become more polarized.
1: Yeah. The divide is not good. The divide to say everything has to be one way or the other, say that we cannot accept, conflicting ideas, even if we disagree with them because we realize that our society is a pluralistic society. We're one of many. That doesn't mean that we only have one idea and all the people hold one idea. It means that we're one despite the many ideas you may have. And so it always makes me feel uncomfortable. Neither you nor I are sitting here talking about advocating for abortion. We're talking about the issues that this subject brings to our society and how we're going to work around these issues. One thing that I don't do when I go to churches and talk to people in the afternoon is I don't talk to them about abortion. And the reason I don't talk to them about abortion is that I had learned very quickly that abortion is one of the most um, divisive, emotional. I'm talking people will start crying in church. You know, people don't start crying in church because somebody lost their job. but People start crying in church if you don't vote the way they want to on abortion. <laughs> and I learned very quickly you get nowhere talking about this because of the emotional charge that it brings up. And so the only reason you and I are talking about this is because we're looking at different ideas and different ways that it impacts. And hopefully we can do so without being emotional about it. We're looking at the issues and the problems that revolve around the whole of what abortion and the way Changing abortion in America is creating um, a different feel in this country.
0: Well, and let me get to one of the other sort of practical issues. Because there's a lot of times when we Americans, we have these ideas in a vacuum, kind of in theory, right? Okay, so in theory, we believe abortion is wrong. Let's start there, okay? I agree. But in practice, people who have means will always be able to get an abortion. So what we're really talking about is not restricting abortion for people who, you know, upper middle class, you know, for the, let's say, the top 10 or 20 percent of society. We're really talking about how we treat the poor in our society and what sorts of services we either make available or deprive the poor of. And I don't think that when we talk about something like abortion, we ever really talk about it on that level on the pragmatic level of look prohibition never impacts those who are um, you know who are wealthier those who are the professional class you know it it really applies to those who are of limited needs and it becomes then just another means of of oppression
1: absolutely again we look at this as such a black and white issue that we don't take the time to see how does this go further? You know, who does this impact the most? Um, I've heard, and and I don't know if if people have heard what I've heard, but I've heard several stories already about women in Texas who, um, you know, had to make a decision, you know. And by the way, I saw an interesting statistic that I had never seen before that over I think it was over 50, don't quote me on the number, over 56% of all the abortions um, in Texas happen with women who already have children.
0: So, Amira, I want to put this out to our listeners. Many of us, whether we're vaccinated or unvaccinated, we don't like vaccine mandates. We don't like the state telling us what we can or cannot do. And that's kind of ingrained in our American spirit, right? We like our freedom. And yet many of us who reject vaccine mandates are gung-ho for abortion mandates, if you will, you know, prohibitions. And I really think we need to rethink our concept, our basic concept of freedom in this country and how we think about freedom and how we value freedom.
1: Well, let me go a step further, Alan, because I was helping a church member who had a valid religious liberty claim for not taking the vaccine. This is actually someone who hasn't vaccinated for years, and they're, they're vegan, and they haven't taken the flu vaccine, and, and a lot of others. And I was talking to them, and, and I said, well, you know, I get it. What you're saying to me is your body, your choice. And the church member had been very talkative up until that point. And then the church member got very quiet because I had said a truth, but I had said a slogan for something they didn't believe in.
0: <laughs> I have a client right now, Amira, who was fired for not getting the vaccine. And when I screened her case, she invoked my body, my choice my choice, as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I expect, I haven't asked her if she's, uh, you know, pro-life on the abortion issue. Well, we could keep this discussion going, but we're out of time. Our guest today, Amira Al-Haddad, Director of Public Affairs and Religious Liberty for the Southern Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.